Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural codes and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Off Code. Man, it's been a minute. I am Monique Dusan. I am sorry, hold on, something that flew in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Already. Oh, that, that was from the devil. Okay. Ooh, all right. Let's try it again. Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural codes and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Hello and welcome back to Off Code. It has been a minute. We are glad to be back with you all. I'm Monique Dusan. And I am Kevin Briggins. And I am really excited about th- this show. First of all, I'm excited to be back. I mean, it has been a long time. It's been months. It's. I mean, I think our last <laughs> off code was when in December. Jan- it, no, before then, November. It, it was. It was. So we haven't been recording this year. So, and the reason was because you took a hiatus to write a book. So, how is that going? Give us an update. So Krista and I, my ministry partner at the Center for Biblical Unity, we are writing a book. Um, We don't actually have a title for it. We have a working title, but we are answering 10 of the most common questions we've received in our ministry in regards to race. And so we are answering questions like, what is race? Um, How did we become so divided? Should every church be multi-ethnic? What do you do with the multi-ethnic family in a conversation where things are so polarized, white and black? So we are just taking time to write that out. I have one chapter left to write and I'm going to take May to write it and then we're going to submit our manuscript in June and we're, yeah, we're we're good. I mean, if anyone knows Krista, y'all know that she was done with her chapters like in early January, maybe late December. Um, And if you know me, then you know I'm right on track. And so, yes, right on track, which is a little bit late, but you know, we're good. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a good time to really um, focus on writing and and really just focus on focusing on you know what are the important parts of the conversation because we can't say everything. Yeah. You know what are the important parts of the conversation that we really want people to walk away with scripturally. You know, I think we hear the conversation from culture over and over again, but what does the Bible say about some of these questions or all of these questions? And, you know, how should we as believers be participating with the topic of race? So there is that. And the book should be out in February. Okay. Okay, good. Well, I just want to, I just want to thank all of our listeners for just being patient while we, you know, have been on this hiatus. I know we've gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of questions. When y'all coming back? When y'all going to start again? So uh, I just want to thank everybody for being so patient and uh, yeah, excited to be back. Yes. Thank you guys so much. What have you been up to? Oh, man. So off social media entirely. I was. So I took a 90 day sabbatical from social media, TV, movies. I just kind of totally pulled away, totally unplugged and really focused on the word, focused on the you know, Bible, prayer, um, family, all those things that are really important. And uh, it was a good time. It was a time of what I would say renewal and um, 
just a kind of re- rejuvenation. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be back and I feel fueled and ready to go. So. That's awesome. I um, I love the fact that we're going to be talking about, you know, like the black father in this episode and um, speaking with Brian Shannon on his and regarding his book, Missing Pillars. But even you just saying, you know, taking time away from social media and spending time in the word just reminds me of, you know, not just regarding black men, but the man's role and responsibility in leading the family. And what needs to be done in order to make sure that you lead well? Absolutely. And there's a lot of distractions out there. I mean, we live in a society that is designed to keep us entertained and distracted. And um, sometimes you don't realize how much you are until you cut all those things out. And you realize you have a lot of time. (laughs) You have a lot of free time once you cut all those things out of your life. And so it was a good time. Wow. Well, glad that we are back. Let's bring uh, Brian Shannon on. I want to call him Reverend Dr. Brian Shannon. Rev, come on, Rev. Rev. <laughs> Rev Shannon. Now, um, I saw, and I'm going to continue to bring this up because I saw um, a live stream of him preaching. And I want to say it was a live stream of him preaching. And, or it, it might have been a still picture, but you, your shoes. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm preaching like, yes, in the J's. Yes. I, I, pre- I preach in the J's. I, I, I admit. Yes, we love the J's. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and I, I did not send you an answer. Are you preaching in some J's? You did. You did on Facebook. <laughs> now, if you don't know what J's are, J's are Jordans from Michael Jordan, and that's all I know. He made tennis shoes, and he was a basketball player. But you might be in my camp. So yes. <laughs> Brian, introduce yourself and tell us who are you? Where are you from? What is the the project that the Lord has put on your heart? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. First, let me say this. Uh, jumping on with you guys, thank you for having me on. It is a, a pleasure. Uh, it is an honor to be on with you guys. I've been watching you guys for a little minute now and love your content and, and discourse on the show. And and, and so I'm, I'm hoping that the conversation that I'm bringing will, will add to the, in the, the conversation discourse, as I mentioned, that you all have been having already about just, you know, what's going on with the state of the black community and how can we appeal to the word of God and, 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 and uh, moving forward. Okay. So I am a kid from Brooklyn, New York city, grew up in, in the, in the, in the uh, streets of New York city uh, up through the eighties. And so that was the, the crack cocaine, the height of the crack cocaine era mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s in New York. Um, so I was there, 89, uh, do the right thing comes out, right? Um, you know, coming to America, you know, those are things, you know, all of the things I'm thinking about. Uh, I remember uh, the, right, the, the 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 mural, if you remember, you guys remember the do the right thing movie? Because I'm about yes. to take the black, yeah, I'm absolutely. about to take the, I'm about oh, to take now? your card. I'm about to take your card. It's in that me. Somebody said, "Look, you you know that movie? Let me take your card. You don't know." So, the do the right thing movie. So, my junior high school was actually right down the street. I would actually pass them that Mike Tyson mural on the wall in the do the right thing movie. That was my neighborhood, right? Wow. And so, there was a Malcolm X mural out that way. And so, that's why that's why I came up. So, we, my mother, uh, actually was. Uh, in the recording industry, my mother was a mu- she was she was a singer in the in the music industry. Uh, she sang backup for Natalie Cole. This is way back, um, and and she actually recorded in the disco era. Um, and so you know she was opening up for people like the you know opening up for acts like the Jackson Five. You know open you know for folks from Motown. Um, and so my mother was in that scene. She also she ultimately um, 
you know, did a stint on an off-Broadway, off-Broadway play. Y'all remember Mama I Wanna Sing? Yes. Okay, so the original cast of Mama I Wanna Sing, my mother was a part of. Um, and so she was she was with that uh, that production for a little while. So lo and behold, we move out of the city, okay? Thing, life happens, we move out of the city, we move down to the South, Murder Beach, South Carolina. Um, and so, you know, while in Murder Beach, South Carolina, that's when our, our Christ, the Christian uh, experience in my life, in my mother's life, and my life and my family, actually sort of jump starts, right? Because my mom is, is, is going through intense struggles with her health. Um, and so she gets radically saved, all right? And so at that time, uh, my mom gives me the gospel. I, as a 17 year old, I get saved. I got, you know, I got born again. I have a brother and a sister. And so ultimately they all came to faith as well. Um, and so that starts my journey with the Lord. Okay. Um, but you know, my mom passes away. Um, you know, we're, we're growing up fatherless. My mom was a single mother, um, growing up in that, you know, single, single parent issue, you know, with that single parent issue at hand, um, and seeing all the pathologies that come along with that, the crime, you know, the poverty and things of that nature, the things that I talk about in my book. Okay. So, um, you know, fast forward, you know, I, I, I go to college, you know, get a master's degree. Uh, I get into public school, ed- public education. Um, I'm, a, I'm a school teacher at, at one point and then becoming a school administrator. Um, I get married, you know, been married for 24 years, two children. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately feel a call to ministry. God calls me to ministry. And I was doing a number of things like youth pastor, you know, doing worship, evangelism, all kinds of things. Just, just excited for the Lord. Uh, and then ultimately God gives me a call to full-time ministry about a year ago. I resigned from public, uh, you know, from the public schools. Okay, man. I appreciate that. Um, one thing we didn't do before we introduced you was really set up your book and what your book is really about. Um, cause I want people to really understand what this book is about and, and to read it. Uh, we were talking about it beforehand and Mo and I both agreed that this is a book that everyone needs to read. Um, Number one is it's well done and well written. It's well researched, mm-hmm. um, but the book is titled "Missing Pillars," and it is about the fatherless crisis within the Black mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And you do a great job of really kind of explaining it and laying out how we got to where we are today. Because I don't think a lot of people realize that this was not always the case. Exactly, Some, something happened at some point in history. Mm-hmm. brought us to this point to where over 70% of children are born to out of wedlock parents, you know, to where only 30% of the black community is married to where only one in uh, five women will get married in their lifetime. Like, mm-hmm. so something brought us to this point. Your book does a great job of kind of really laying it out. Um, but before we, we get into that kind of, what made you decide to write this book? Good question. So uh, it was about 2019, 2020, where we started, you know, we were we were getting to uh, what we what the summer of love, right? <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we, we get to that point where social justice and the, the conversations around social justice are at a, you know, at a peak, really, you know, with the George Floyd, uh, mm-hmm. death of George Floyd, um, things of that nature. And so what I began hearing amongst the conversations was, well, let, let's talk about what's really going on in the black community. And then I would hear, uh, you know, sort of, I, I guess, gleanings and, and, and small talks about 
father absence. I kept hearing these buzzwords, father absence, father absence. And so I just began to reflect on my own life. And I said, well, I grew up without a father. Let me let me dive into this conversation and do a little bit of research to see how pervasive, how much of an issue is this really, this father absence issue. And so lo and behold, when I just began to even think about the anecdotes from my own life, growing up in the inner city context, in the urban context, I'm saying, well, how many guys did I know growing up who had dads in the home, present, active, consistent dads? And, and they were few and far between. You know, in my context, right? In the urban context. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about my, you know, the block where I grew up in New York City, where I ended up, you know, moving to South Carolina, we were still living in, in, in the projects. So we were in the projects in, in Section 8 housing down in the South. So still seeing the same pathology. And I'm thinking, who, who, who in my building had dads? You know, who in our neighborhood had dads? And about three out of every four dudes I knew did not have a present active consent, uh, consistent father in the home. So that brought me to this about, you know, 2022 ish. 2021, 2022-ish, I started compiling some data, compiling some research and, and started writing. I said, I want, I always wanted to write my own story to talk about how the Lord, you know, got a hold of my heart and captured me and did a did a work in my life that I escaped, number one, the the father absent poverty pathology. Uh, and, and it was through the gospel that the in the church that, you know, I came to the Lord and came to a saving knowledge of the Lord, but the Lord also taught me his principles, his ways. And I began to understand the importance of and have a, a, a growing passion for understanding the importance of family and how and why God instituted family, the nuclear family. And so, uh, you know, again, fast forward, I, I said, I want to write a book. I want to talk, I want to make it part my story, but I want to, I want to, I want to also unpack for people. Like you said, how did we get here? Where does this come from? And I've heard lots of narratives. Was it slavery? I used to be one who used to think, well, because we were slaves, you know, they broke our families up. You know, it was the it was America. It was the man. It was it was white supremacy. It was systemic racism. And then when I began to look at the data and the research and the facts, they didn't add up. It, it didn't go in that direction. And so there was a lot of other there were a lot of other pieces that that pointed to why this became an issue and we could talk about that so i started with um the 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 work of thomas Sowell and walter williams who who codified in their writings that listen uh, black people in america were among the most conservative family conservative people in our country in the early 19 mid 1900s okay post post slavery you know uh, you know civil war perhaps post civil war uh, uh you know post reconstruction pre civil rights um, blacks actually during the Great Depression actually led the nation in in in, uh, in intact families and the nuclear you know nuclear families fathers in the home. So I was saying, God, where did this issue uh, begin? So then I got a hold of the Moynihan report. So Daniel mm. Patrick Moynihan yep. was the uh, the 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 Secretary of Labor for Lyndon B. Johnson, right? And so uh, uh, Patrick Moynihan wrote his report about the the Negro family and yeah. how he saw at a time in the in the 60s what was burgeoning about 65. He writes, he says, listen, 25 percent of black kids are growing up without dads. Houston, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought about that and I said, wow, Lord. So fast forward 1985, just two decades later, that number became 70 to 75 percent. Yes. 
uh, Thomas Sowell said this. He said, listen, if it, if we're talking about slavery and, and racism in America, why did it take over 100 years for this pathology to now take place? For exactly. This, for, this, for, the, for this bomb to drop and, and the, the, the mushroom cloud, so to speak, the metaphorical mushroom cloud that destroyed the family, why did it take 100 years for it to happen? He said, he said at the, there was a time, you know, from 1930s to the 1950s, 1960s, black poverty was on a decline and went from 87% to 47%. And then over the next 10 years, it went down another 18 to 20%. So black poverty was way on a decline. The black family was way intact. Then it started happening to, to, to uh, about the 1960s, mid 1960s, you know, right when the civil rights movement is happening. This, there was some strange things going on that impacted the black community. So, um, and then from there it took off. So what happened? It was uh, what Walter Williams said. He said this, he said, uh, the welfare state uh-huh. did to the black family what slavery, Jim Crow, or the harshest racism could never do. And that was to destroy the black family by taking, systematically removing the man out of the home. Mm. That, everything that I read, everything that I like, when I'm looking at what's what has happened to the black family, all of what you're saying, it's all right there. I mean, even going back to um, like the black, the black family, but the black man and, you know, black people in the workforce and all of that, even right after slavery, before mm-hmm. the official institution of Jim Crow, right after slavery, you saw black people in legislative office. And so, yeah. what was you gonna say? Go ahead. No, you, are you guys familiar with the work of Robert Woodson? Yes. Yeah, with the 1776 Project yeah. at Woodson Woodson Center. So Woodson and and their research, they have on they have papers and research in which they talked about how there was uh, uh th- there was there were census and 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 uh you know data that was taken based on the p- plantations in the South. They took data samples from various plantations in the South right out of slavery, and they found out that eighty five percent, eighty to eighty five percent of the of the families, the black families coming out of slavery were were had had a father in the home and were in yes. right yes. out of slavery. Mm-hmm. So slavery didn't break us up. In fact, blacks were flocking to keep their families back together after slavery was abolished. Yes. Why? Because they knew that there was, a, a, you know, you know, slave, you know, trading and things like that and slaves being transported and slaves being plucked up and taken out of their families. And there was some dismantling of families through slavery. But those slaves went found their spouses. There were mm-hmm. people who were flocking to marriage because marriage was an institution. There was Judeo-Christian values that they clung to. And and, and they, they it was the opposite. They were clinging to the institution of marriage. We were doing that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like this and can go down a whole, a whole. It can. Road. It can. But yeah. But I feel like can, this, gonna, this gonna... doll show, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here as the woman. But y'all, I, the conversation of mi- this missing pillars in our community and the different communities around um, mm-hmm. America that are primarily black, all black, this conversation has to be had. So yeah, and so you asked this question. Is that also why did I write it? One of the the other the, the, the impetus of, of of why I wrote was I when I saw this statistic right here. So two th- two other things. So not only Thomas Sowell and, and Walter Williams's work, um, Robert Woodson's work, um, but uh, Barack Obama said this, and I don't quote Obama a whole lot. <laughs> when, I, when I don't quote 
I don't quote 44 a whole lot. However, he said this in 2000, uh, 2008, you know, on the rise to, you know, his rise to, to presidency. He was in a Chicago church. And in Father's Day, the famous Father's Day uh, speech, he said, a kid growing up without a dad is five times more likely to be born in poverty, nine times more likely to have problems in school, and 20 times more likely to be in the prison system. Yep. And so I spent 20 years as a public educator, both as a teacher and administrator. And I, and when I heard the narratives, you know, it was, that was a whole, that, that, that was a, you know, the, the school system was a, a hub for the whole social justice conversation. I, I saw all of that taking yeah. care like, oh, you know, the students, are you blaming the victim? If you're saying that they get suspended because of their behavior, as opposed to the fact that they black, this, that, and the third of the school to prison pipeline. And I said, all of that is hogwash. Right. I'm telling you, all of that is hogwash. I'm telling you. So I've actually done studies in urban education. And actually, I'm, I was trained as a as an urban educator, as an urban uh, school principal to, to turn around failing schools. And so I've been all a part of that conversation about analyzing data with regard to suspension rates and all that. But what they fail to recognize and they fail to ever mention and to include in the conversation and the data that they never consider is the father absence rate in the black community and how wow. it directly correlates to not only the prison system. System, but to the behavior issues in schools. The, all of the data research says that kids growing up without dads have behavior health issues, have mental health issues. They, they are, are, are five times more likely to be, or three to four times more likely to have ADHD and have an IEP, okay? And so all of these things are, again, directly linked back to the father in the home because Oh man, there's a whole bunch of the research base is crazy in terms of how kids with a father actually have more discipline. Kids with a father regulate emotions better. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? All of the research says this. And so I'll be it's glad because to y'all give the look. Like, <laughs> so I was with, and I'm going to use Kevin as an example, but I was with Kevin. And now I remember this from when we last year we were at camp and he, he brought his whole family. Shalonda was awesome. And the girls have a different relationship, I feel like, with Shalonda. Because when Kevin walked in and he just, Say a name. <laughs> it, 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 it's no, no huffing and puffing, no nothing. And but they cling to Kevin too. Yeah, yeah. And yep. so you can you can see it, and not to say to take anything away from Shalonda or to say if there was anything wrong because there wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it, you just see it's a, a different little relationship. bit. And there different. is, there is absolutely, it, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's like, kind of what that's kind of, and that's kind of what I want to kind of touch on because you name your book missing pillars, right? right. And when I think of a pillar, I think of something that's strong, it's it's stabilizing, it's mm-hmm. it, it's holding up some structure. Why do you call fathers pillars? Good question. So like like I'm just gonna like I'll take a, a little um make a little connection here with this. So I think about even just emotional em, regulating emotions, how people learn to regulate emotions. Fathers actually teach children how to stabilize emotionally. You look at a young man who grows up without a dad, often like, so I I can just look at the anecdotes from my school, you know, leadership experience and school work experience. Kids without dads fought 10 times more than kids with dads. They were in fights because they simply had a hard time regulating emotion. A father helps you to us to to regulate emotions by, by one modeling and, and helping you, you know, by modeling how we don't just fly off the handle when we, so, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't men who don't fly off the handle, but a responsible, present, active, consistent father in the home helps kids do that because most men don't emote the way that, and this is not a put down, but, and it's not a, not a, not a misogynistic, uh, 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 uh statement, but we don't emote the way women do. 
So you trying to say I got suspended like at least three, four times grade level. So I have a daddy in my house. <laughs> she trying to say. You know, I mean, look, the data speaks. No. Because <laughs> man. Like, Go ahead. I'm just going to no. sit here and listen. Find out but, but, about but, so, life. so you can, again, so you can see how fathers in the life, active fathers in the life of children, you know, the data speaks that those children emotion, you know, r- regulate emotion differently because men typically, I'm not saying that in every case it's the, you know, it's, it's the truth, but men typically emote differently and we rationalize and think through conflict differently when we are, you know, emotionally healthy, put it that way. Okay. And so that man in that, in that situation does that. So Outside of that, let me read this for you. Just a little quote. So Charles A. Ballard, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Charles A. Ballard, he was a part of my research, but he was the founder and the president of the Institute for Responsible Fatherhood and Family Revitalization. He said this, fatherless is linked to the increase in murders, assaults, drive-by shootings, drug and alcohol abuse. Fatherlessness is the cause of teenage pregnancy, infant mortality, suicide, neglect, and abandonment. Fatherlessness is the root cause of truancy, education failure, and community failure, and despair. Fatherless, if left unchecked and uncorrected, will lead to the demise of our American society as we know it. And so do I believe that, that was a strong statement by Charles Ballard. Um, Now, my Christian worldview says to me that sin is at the root of all evil. Sin is at the root of all pathologies. However, I absolutely agree that the father absent, you know, sin issue is at the root of that, that it contributes and attributes strongly and it makes a major impact on all of those things that he mentioned. And so removing the father from the home, I believe, is like removing the spine out of the back of a human being because that spine keeps it erect. Your spine keeps you erect and walking walking straight. It helps you to stabilize and hold your body up, hold your head up, right? Mm-hmm. And so that your head is on straight. I'm not saying that a woman can't run a household. I had a single mom, right? I'm not saying that women can't can't hold the home together, can't hold a family together because we have very matriarchal led families, you know, that that are held together. I'm not saying that, right? You know, however, and when we look at what God instituted with the heteronormative nuclear family, that he put the father at the head. He said, the, he said, the, the order is this. It is Christ, the head of man, the head the God, the head of Christ, Christ, the head of man, man, the head of the woman. And that is the order of God. Mm. Amen. I, I, I can amen that. Right? There's there's something to, you know, your point of, you know, this isn't misogynistic. This isn't putting down, you know, right. women-led households and things like that. Like, But at the same time, there are consequences to sin. Amen. And there is a way that God has designed for life to be walked out on this earth. Now, there might also be a way that he will allow, but what he allows may not always be according to his mm. specific design. Absolutely. And when God has designed the family, he does, you, you don't have to believe us. You can go back to Genesis 1, mm-hmm. go to Genesis 2, go look, looking as, as to how God designed the family unit and what that means for the human person. Yeah. And so yeah. when we're talking about his his design, we find that in the book of Genesis. Amen. Now, when we talk about the impacts of sin or, you know, because, yes, you're right at the at the foundation, it's all sin. Yeah. We we are a sinful people. And this is why we get sexual promiscuity. This is why we get, you know, fatherless households. This is what I mean. And yes, yeah, some fatherless households occur because 
unfortunately the father died yeah. you know that that but that isn't i feel like still god's design for the family yep yep absolutely and so one of the things that i mentioned in my book is that um again my, I, I had a, i had a powerful i had a strong woman who 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 held my family down right and, and i think a lot of us can relate to that mm-hmm. where there was a there was a, a, a my dear you know, who held the family down, who held the family together, right? And so there's that mother, that matriarchal figure, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. And so a lot, that's a, that's the story of a lot of us, but that's an exception and not God's rule. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and so God blesses families in spite of, not because of, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. He blesses them, he blesses us in spite of the fact that fathers left the home, but that's not the reason that we are blessed. The the reason, uh, you know, in other words, the reason we 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 thrive in those situations, God has mercy, God has grace, mm-hmm. and God, and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you know, m- many of us found the gospel right, and it was the church that came in and filled in the gaps, right, and 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 and, and uh, you know, plugged the holes, you know, and stood in the gap, right, and 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 bridged the gap for a lot of the things that we needed, and that was my story. How I talked about how men in the church came alongside me, right, my pastor and individuals taught me about manhood, you know, and so. So there were a lot of things that I still had to learn and went lacking on, but that I had to learn through experience and hard, you know, and, and, and falling down on my face and making mistakes. But I, I, I thank God for the men who came around me, surrounded me when my mother passed away uh, and while my mother was when my mother was alive. Um, so so that you know, I actually saw and attached to my to my psyche, you know, that this is what family looks like. I see men holding it down. I see men raising their kids. I see this man where he's 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 in the bathroom changing his daughter diaper and goes back out and sit down with his wife at church. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, this is what it's about. This is what I want. And so that was the absolute Lord. However, you know what I what I mentioned is that we don't want to build society based on exceptions. We want to build society based on the rule because if we do that, then we're, we're, it's like it's like would you you know just because you can um you know uh, uh, uh you know, how many of you have ever rolled around on a donut on, on the side of your car until you got until you got your until you got your tire fixed you know what I'm saying you roll around on a donut you say okay <laughs> roll around on a donut is going to get you from point A to point B in a short you know over a short distance but over a long haul that's not going to sustain you and you mm-hmm. don't want to you don't want to continue trying to roll on a donut for a year. No, you can't do it. Just start wiggling. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. You can't rock. You can't roll on a donut for a year. So what you ultimately had to do was to, you know, okay. So it got you over. But what you want to do is, we build cars not based on donuts. We build cars based on full tires, right? And four of them, (laughs) four full tires, right? And and idealistically, four tires that match. You know what I mean? And so and so in, in our society. We want to say, okay, if we're going to see some of the issues to the pathologies in the black community and all of our communities, not even just the black community, but you can go somewhere to Appalachians where you see a certain pathology too. You yes. know what I'm saying? You can go some, some where some folks down south. I was on a podcast with a brother. He lives out in Kentucky, you know, white brother, you know, he's in the Lord. And, you know, he's like, look, yeah, I hear, he, he said, I see some of these pathologies out here in the trailer parks out here where I live out in Louisville. You know, he says, folks that look like me and, you know, they, they live in, they live in, Reckless. They live in, you know, ratchet. You know, he said, look, it ain't, ain't no minorities out there, you know, where he mm-hmm. talking. And so anyway, um, so again, you know, we want to look at and examine what has God said about what sustains, what promotes and, 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 and sustains life at the level that he designed, like you said, Monique, that he designed it to. And then we'll see flourishing at a higher rates and higher levels when we begin to get back to what God said. Yeah. Look at you, ratchet. This is color blonde. I need a shirt. This is made out. Oh, that that that's another off color shirt. Yes, <laughs> ratchet. This is color blonde. Yes, but um, I think you bring up you bring up a good point. Like hillbilly culture and hood culture. 
Now, you, have you read Thomas Thomas Sowell's book oh, on black, uh, black rednecks? White liberals and black white liberals and black rednecks. Yeah. Yes. That, listen, that wasn't even our culture. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know yeah. that that actually you know that whole culture of I'll fight you, we violent and this that and this craziness, ratchetness that actually came from you know Southern redneck culture. Yeah, you know, that's a whole other. But man, that's a, an, an awesome book. I did the audio book of it, but because you know I'm a slow reader, but um, but yeah, I was like, wow, man, he's dropping. Wow, yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's an interesting points. That's because good stuff. We yeah. now and do we call that appropriation? Because we we own that. <laughs> wow, wow, we own it. Wow. We'd be quick to be like, you can have these hands. Right. <laughs> Is that really our culture? Is that really, that really our culture? culture? Us? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I'm just yeah. asking the question. I'm just here on y'all's show. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'll say this because I think this is, I think we fall into this trap sometimes because number one, we love our mothers. Yep. And we love, we love our grandmothers. We love big mama now. Yep. But in doing so and in praising their effort and in lifting them up, and even like you said, no, a woman can 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 hold a household together. And in doing that, we almost make men insignificant. Right. Because we praise them so much for all that they're doing. Um, we make it seem as if men are really optional because a woman mm. can't do it. You mm-hmm. know? And I think in our community, that's almost how we've going about things. Men wow. are optional. They're Fathers optional. are optional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. cool if you're around, but other than financial support, what do I need him for? Right, 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 right. Um, and so I've seen a lot of that, and I think it's just so much about our affections for our mothers that we um, make our fathers seem insignificant, and there's been a uh, pattern of that. So, I want to go so back. Kevin, so Kevin, 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 Kevin. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, we can't just skip on past that. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> so, Kevin, you bring up a great point because, again, l- let's get back to what has fueled a lot of the father absent pathology that we're seeing right now. So, I mentioned the welfare state. So, I, I hate to say that that there's like, I- I- I'll never believe that that one particular thing, you know, creates all of what we see. Right. Yeah. Is the, like there's only one thing we could point to. There's yeah. several things. I think the singular most impactful thing was the welfare state. Mm-hmm. However, you had some other things going on at the time that made the welfare state a perfect storm. Yeah. And that was, number one, the feminist movement, mm-hmm. the feminist movement. So the, the whole idea, I don't need no man. So think about think about what happened in the welfare state. The government comes in. What some people call I was on I was on a uh, uh, April Chapman show stand up. Don't be talking about her on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and she says Zaddy government. April. She called she called him she called Zaddy government. And Zaddy came in, and they said, okay, we will give you a check if there's no man in the house. And we were talking about the movie um, uh, Claudine. Yeah, remember Claudine? Yep. And so James R. Jones, he was like, oh, you, look, get your get your stuff out of here, man. You know, get your shoes. You know, get your hat. You know, you can't have no traces of a man in here. And that was such a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so the government was coming through, had spot checkers to make sure there yeah. was no man in the house. And if yes. there was no man in the house, you can get that check, right? And so Walter Williams said this. He said, any 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 knowledgeable economist knows this. If you know anything about the you know how the economics works, he said, uh anything that you um that you uh uh if tax. you uh, you tax something, if you subsidize something you get less of it. If you tax, if you if you subsidize something, you get uh, more less of it. If you tax something, 
you get taxed. I'm sorry, let me get it right. Let me get it right. So if you tax something, you get less of it. If you subsidize something, you get more of it. And he said what the government began to do is subsidize slovenly behavior. And so men saw that as an incentive to not stick around. They were like, yo, free love. So what was also happening in the 60s and 70s? Free love, right? Sexual revolution. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight. So that that, that was- Kevin, he don't know that song. That was the culture, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the culture feeding into this, this, you know, this ideology of, oh, the government will come in and just take care of that? Okay, cool. Drop that off. Keep it moving, homie. Papa was a rolling stone. So then you have that going on, right? And so they just drop them off and, 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 and not taking care of kids. And then lo and behold, you had a generation, a generation where you had a boom and an explosion from, man, and remember what I said earlier, 1965, 25% of black kids had no dads in the, in the nation. Two decades later, just two decades, it tripled. Mm-hmm. It tripled. Feminist movement. I don't need no man, no way. Mm-hmm. Sexual revolution. Let's just all give away love for free. Okay? And then incentivization of the government. We're subsidizing slovenly behavior. And so all of those things fueled the father absence pathology that we see. So I just yeah. want to make sure I brought that point up. No, you right. And you touched on I just want to hit so people really understand. That was really a rule called a no man in the house rule. And the government literally had people that would go around the check to make sure that woman did not have a man in the house. And if she didn't, she got the check. And so it incentivized women, not just incentivized, it encouraged them not Mm -hmm. to have a man in the house, not to get married, you know, just to have single kids. And then they give you a check per kid. Like yep, they yep. were subsidizing this behavior. And I saw you on the April show. I, I'm sorry, Mo, I say, I say April. Um, <laughs> but, and, but what made it hit hard, because on her show, you quoted a quote from Linda B. Johnson about the importance of family. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that quote, then his policy did not align. He right. talked about the importance of family being the pillar of our nation and our communities and all this stuff. But then his policy encouraged people, the black community, especially not to have families. Yeah. Let me, let me give you that quote, Kev. Is that okay. okay? Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. So that quote, he said, the family is the cornerstone of our society more than any other force. It shapes the attitudes, the hopes, the ambitions, and the values of the child. And when the family collapses, it is the children that are usually damaged. When it happens on a massive scale, the community itself is crippled. So unless we work together to strengthen the family, to create conditions under which most parents will stay together, all the rest, schools and playgrounds and public assistance and private concerns will never be enough to completely cut the circle of despair and deprivation. And lo and behold, isn't it ironic that his policies undermine that everything he just said. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, we can, you can think what you want, but my mind goes to immediately was, was this intentional? Was it intentional? And I don't know how it couldn't have been because you weren't ignorant of the importance of family and what that affects on children and communities. But then you create a policy where you encourage women not to have Mm. men in the house Mm. and you pay them not to. Mm, mm. And that's why I said, I, I think I might have mentioned this. It might have been a slip of the tongue, but I said there was a systematic incentivization of, <laughs> of men not to be in the home. Yeah. And so, like I said, it was all these forces happening at one time. And 
just to rehash the timeline, out of slavery, 85% of black families intact. Mm-hmm. Even through the Great Depression, black yep. families are leading the charge. Yep. You got the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, um, the 50s. Poverty, poverty is going at, down. At the greatest um, rate that it has in history for blacks. Uh, something started to change around the 60s, right? And yep. so 1965, so remember we got Jim Crow, the Civil Rights Act, 1964, 1965. So blacks kind of get this, I guess you'd say, freedom to an extent, right? Yeah. There's, there's, now, there's full, full rights, full citizenships. Right? right, right, right. Now, there's also another thing that we can add to, again, not just one thing is as, as a core issue, and then there was all these other things fueling it. I, there was, there was uh, a lot of blacks migrating to the urban sectors. Yes. Right. A lot of blacks migrate into the urban, urban sector. What's happening? They're getting away from the Bible Belt. Mm. And so I remember Walter Williams saying that there was a time when, you know, you had, you know, black women you down south, you got pregnant. What they do? They send you away. They send you away. It was some shame associated with that. And then he said we started, you know, there was no shame and social ostracism associated with pregnancy anymore. So that was kind of symbolic of the idea that people were getting away and breaking loose from the values that they had learned, the Judeo-Christian values. But, you know, when they went to the city, they're like, look, we about, it, it's about to be on. Yep. And so people were breaking away from what they had been taught. in the urban. And so here's the other thing about Patrick Moynihan that people don't understand. He, Patrick Moynihan also mentions, he said, listen, y'all, because you know they was calling him racist and they were saying he was blaming the victim. Uh-huh. So so he was saying, well, listen, I grew up without a dad in the Irish community. Patrick Moynihan grew up fatherless too. His father abandoned the home. I don't know if it was he abandoned the home or his father died, but there was a point in time where his family was, his, his father was not in the home and he grew up fatherless and he saw in the Irish community a, the explosion and he actually documents this in his Moynihan, in the Moynihan report that there was a similar pathology happening in the Irish community where they saw crime on the rise. They saw poverty and all these other things that were linked to father absence. Mm. Wow. And I, I think that that, really is important to highlight because while we talk about the issues that are impacting the black community, a lot of these issues overlap because Mm -hmm. sin doesn't know color. And so when you look at sin and the impacts of sin, you're going to get the, the result regardless of what your color is. So if, if we are not walking in accordance with God's design, there's going to be impact regardless of what your color is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Kevin, you started to say something. I cut you off. No, no, I just want to like for the listeners to understand the timeline of what we're talking about to how we got to this point. So 1965, the Moynihan report comes out because the childless, the fatherless rate is at 25%, 25%. He said, this is a crisis. Something's, we got to put this, we got to stop this, right? Nip it um, in the bud. Nip it in the bud. And that was 1965. 1965, also Civil Rights Act. So... 25% is a crisis. So post-Civil Rights Act, post-slavery, post-Jim Crow, Jim Crow doesn't exist anymore. We go from 25% to 75% mm-hmm. in two decades, in 20 years. Yep. We cannot sit here today and blame slavery and Jim Crow for that. Nope. Right? Something else, and I'll say this too, because I'm so sick of hearing it. We can't blame redlining. Redlining did not make your daddy leave. Maybe it was whiteness. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so, so listen. No, go ahead, Kev. No, I'm just saying, because they have to come up with something after Jim Crow, and it's always redlining. 
Right. Like, I don't explain what's going on, man. No, 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 no. Because again, again, so, you know, Thomas Sowell's point is why did it take, why do we see at the start of the 19th, the 20th century, at the end of that century, you know, you see different effects, but you had more happenings of what should have impacted father absence happening mm-hmm. earlier on, but the effect didn't happen until latter part. Yep. And what, what actually correlates more so with that was government intervention. Yes. Government intervention. It wasn't the racism. It wasn't slavery. It wasn't because we, 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 you know, Rob, I love this about uh, Robert Woodson. He says this every time I hear his talks, he says, listen, when, when whites were at their worst, blacks were at their best. Listen, we were, we, we, we had the Harlem Renaissance going on. Mm -hmm. There were black wall streets all over the nation. We like to talk about the Tulsa, but there were black Wall Streets going on all over the nation. There were there were several blacks right out of slavery who died millionaires. Imagine that. Uh-huh. Imagine that blacks right out of slavery who died millionaires. You know, they they, they were when they were, uh, 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 you know, putting barriers up and enforcing us out and segregating us out of schools at no school access and, and, and access to public uh, spaces. We created our own. We built the the, the Haji Hotel, you know what I'm saying? We they, we built our own bus bus uh, companies. Yep. And what tore those things down? We talk about you know generational wealth. You know what destroyed generational wealth? Government intervention. Hmm. Government intervention because had had the Civil Rights Act and and Robert Wilson brings out this point, and I never thought about it the way you know the way that he talks about it. But he said, listen. Well, we, we talk about, you know, we, we thought we weren't doing well until we were going to school with white folks. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing well until we could sit on the bus with white folks. Meantime, meanwhile, we had our own schools that were outdoing white schools. Mm-hmm. We had our own businesses and that, you know, and we had our own buses. And so what happened when we had to sit on the bus with white folks? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying, you know, I love my white brothers and sisters. <laughs> Praise God for us, you know, all together, loving each other. However, he said, listen, that destroyed black wealth. Because our businesses and our hotels and our things disintegrated because we were no longer patronizing them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's something that people don't, they don't realize of. Um, and that's, I think that's why the best people on these issues are economists. You know, mm, yep. whether it's Walter Williams, whether it's Thomas Sowell, or whether it's Glenn Lowry. Yep. Because they understand kind of supply and demand and what drives these things, right? Yep. Um, yep. The fact that black people were segregated and forced out of, uh, you know, white spaces meant that black people were forced to create and produce their own and they did and they thrived, right? We were our best, man. Yeah. And, and, but once they were no longer forced, once integration was legally, you know, pushed and forced, those that that self resilience, that self sustainment, it went away. Went it away. Went away. And now instead of shopping at the black owned grocery store down the street, you're going over to the big box store owned by the white person or whoever, right? right. And so black businesses suffered because black people were no longer the dollar. The, the things we talk about now, you know, you got killer Mike, all these people talk about what do you do with the black dollar, keep it in the community. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what do you think was happening prior to this? Right, right. You know, and now they're, they're trying to get the same prescription all these years later. It's like, no, you gave that up. 
we give it up. And and we like to point to, oh, well, we tried to build our own businesses and they destroyed it and they killed us in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so forth <laughs> and so on. But listen, it wasn't it wasn't then because, you know, I saw, I saw you guys had Chad Jackson on the show. Tulsa was rebuilt, baby. That yep. that didn't that didn't destroy Tulsa. And there was many black Wall Streets, as I said, going on across yep. the country. But what destroyed really destroyed black efficacy, black economic efficacy in our country was government and government reliance and the, the democratic leftist ideal of depend more on government yep. that let that 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 drove people to, away from the mindset of self governance, self-efficacy and self, you know, doing for self yep. and, and, and entrepreneurship and, and, and innovation. And we started looking to government to take care of us. Listen, we became Ooh. scientists, man. We became, you know, Booker T. Washington, we built our own schools, man. You know, we were building our own businesses. And then the moment we said, no, but we need to be, you know, we, we need we need to be sitting next to, we didn't think our children were going to do well unless they were sitting next to the white kids in class. You know, and, and, and again, thank God for Dr. King's dream in that respect, you know, that we could be, you know, you know, with, you know, one and, 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 and together and unity, praise God for it. However, I don't buy into this idea that our kids can't excel if they're not sitting next to somebody with white skin. Oh, oh, that man. That's way I always put it. We gained our civil rights, but at what cost? Mm. At what cost did we did we mm-hmm. gain it? Um, yeah. And I think the strategies used to push it and push it, you know, do it now. We need it now. I think there were some unintended consequences. Yeah, and, absolutely. And we need to face up to the fact that we might have in the foot, yep. you know, because yep. we've, yep. we, we, we hitched our ride to something, right? You talk about the democratic party we hooked, not, not even about which party we hooked ourselves to. It's the fact that we hooked ourselves to politics, right? right. And right. politics right. became the solution for everything in our, and so it mm-hmm. became, we, as I forgot who said, we became, we went from a a uh, trying people to a crying people. We just started mm. complaining and crying and whining and give us, give us, do right by us, you know, and that still kind of continues today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. um, and I know that we kind of got off on the, the I know, I know, economics. I know. Wait, I got something I want to say. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, good. well, I want to clear something up for people who are listening who might not hear exactly what the heart of it is, is that we're not saying, you know, down with, you know, desegregation and things like that. But we are saying the segregation uh, or that desegregating our nation had other costs that people might not have been expecting. Um, so that was just the the one of the things that I wanted to clear up before somebody write in, because it's going to come to my inbox. Right, 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 right. You can't yeah, follow yeah. these I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give an example where most people can understand. Go ahead. The biggest example is Chinatown, right? If black people had their own version of Chinatown, nobody says Chinatown is wrong or bad because it's not integrated into a white society or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, they have a self-sustaining, intercultural, they have their own banks, they have their own economic system, and the Jewish community does the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was in Dallas last year, and I saw this building, all these, I was like, what is this? My buddy's like, oh, this is the Korean side of town. That's the Korean bank, right? So you have these communities mm-hmm. that have their own internal self-sufficient um, economic systems, right? Where they loan money to each other and their projects, and it all flows mm-hmm. and stays within the community. That's all we were saying used to happen yeah. within the black community. Right, yep, it was. And it went away. Right. And, and it wasn't of, because of racism. 
Yeah, and a lot of the, like I said, really pro-black people today are advocating for those things once again, acknowledge lost them in the first place. That's mm -hmm. the key. They don't acknowledge yeah. that we made efforts because, and I've heard, you know, people like Malcolm X and some other like really pro-black people talk about this. Yeah. Is that black people started to idolize white people and they wanted mm. what white people what white people had was mm. better than what we had and all mm. these types of things. And like I said, and this was people like Malcolm X saying they were noticing these things that black people were simply running after things they thought were held up by white people. It was and, idolizing white people. And, and and primarily it was there was this idea that we had to occupy the same space in order to feel equal. Yes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And to occupy the, to occupy the same space in order to feel equal and spend our money in the same place uh -huh. in order to feel equal. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and there was this departure from spending our money uh, in a way that said, listen, okay, okay, again, we had black buses where we could sit wherever we want. It, you know, they were even, we, you know, so why weren't, you know, it, think about over two decades and three or four decades if black buses, you know, had self-sustaining economic, you know, yeah. uh, support. Black banks, you know, black business all, all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And so there, we would have exactly like what you said, Kevin. But so, so listen, can we segue with this? Cause so, so back to the father absence conversation, cause we haven't really departed from it. We were just kind of under, you know, giving some, some, some context, some other context. Things with regards. there you go. Yeah. Uh, so chapter four of my book, I talk about the perfect storm. There are three things that are, so I talk about the perfect storm that actually fueled the father absence pathology early on from the sixties, right? And you, you recapped it beautifully, Kevin, but then moving forward, what's still fueling the father absence issue right now. And I talk about three things in the book. Um, so number one, I said, it's uh, pop culture. So I believe pop culture is one of the things that's fueling the father absence issue. So, what what's coming through the airwaves, television, media, you know, music, all of these things, what's coming through the airwaves? It's hatred for men. You talked about the MCU earlier, Kevin, and how, you know, th that that's becoming a platform that's man hating, qu quite honest with you. And so, you know, we are seeing things that are coming through the culture, like Kiki uh, Palmer. Look, I look y'all I'm pregnant. Ain't, ain't not married. Um, uh, Nick Cannon. Look, man, I got my 21st child, not, not married. Right. What, what, what's promoted through the music, sexual irresponsibility, what's pandered through by the by the left, you know, by, by the left when it comes to, you know, to voting. So they had the, the whole no voting, no V-U-C-K-I-N-G, no, no <laughs> bucking with a V. You know, they're using ratchetness and sexual irresponsibility to uh, to promote to promote voting. Why? Because they're appealing to a, a, a culture of. You know, that one of an expectation, a low expectation, which is bigotry, right? That's the real bigotry. I don't even call that soft bigotry. That's like actual bigotry of low expectations. You can't help but to have babies out of wedlock. You, you can't help but to have socially irresponsible sexual activity. You can't help it. That's All y'all are naked and shaking your tail. That, that, and that's, that's what's all appeal to you. That, that's what you do. That's mm -hmm. who you are. You, yep. and, for, and for us to come in and try to say anything or to, to impose any other ideas or, or values or ideals would be racist of us, wouldn't it? 
It was internalized racism. And according to Biden, are you even black if you don't go along with that? There you go, right? So this whole racial pandering and this gerrymandering to, 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 to the culture. So pop culture is fueling this father absence uh, 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 pathology. This, Number this two. Whole, this whole podcast is nothing but whiteness. I just want to point that out. <laughs> it is. It is. You, you know, y'all got that internalized. Y'all got that internalized racism, man. Come on now. Um, and so the second thing is, and if we can unpack these, if you, you know, how, to whatever extent you want. No, go ahead, the, go sec- ahead. the second thing is woke ideology, leftist ideology, woke ideology. And here's, here's one of the reasons why I said woke leftist ideology, because number one, again, there's there's this narrative that says if you have anything to say to the black community. I love what Larry Elder said. Larry Elder was another guy that I listened to a lot. Right. Because he's been talking about the father absence, you know, black, you know, black father absence and so forth. He's one of the folks that kind of fueled that, you know. Uh, the, the desire in me to kind of go dig deeper into the data. But uh, Larry Elder said, listen, uh, black people in America have become, you know, th- th- these children to whom the truth cannot be told. We, we can't say nothing, you know, reflective, introspective about what the black community should do to improve because that's internalizing whiteness, that's racist, that's blaming the victim. And so that's all perpetuated by the left. So you're in a position where you can't even try to be self-reflective and, uh, and, and assess your situation you know, by determining whether or not you actually are a victim or, or wh- whether or not you do have the ability and the power to be, to think outside of leftist black thinking, right? You know, blackness. We don't even talk about blackness enough, but blackness. What is blackness? You ain't black. You, you don't vote for me, you ain't black. What is that? Like, you, you vote a certain way, you think a certain way, you, you act a certain way. And so to go outside, to veer away from that and to actually think about what what that means and say, well, no, it ain't one way to be black. Obama said that too. You know, it ain't. there's more than one way to be black. And we've gotten away from that, right? And so the left keeps up, keeps blacks in America, and their their goal and their aim is to keep blacks in America pigeonholed in that kind of thinking that says yes. you can't be self reflective. You you have to see yourself as a victim, victimology. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so again, that's 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 stifling our growth. That's stifling our growth because we don't even look. So here, here, you know, here's one thing I said: if you see your if you always see yourself as a victim, and and, and it's always somebody else's fault. You'll never, de- you'll never develop the self-efficacy to deal with your own sin, mm. right? And you'll always be dependent upon some other agent outside of you for your solution, government. And so they want you stuck in that, mm. right? And so yeah. so number two was, is woke leftist ideology mm-hmm. that's keeping us stuck in this pattern because you, you can't even talk about the issue of fathers because that's blaming the victim. Yeah. Number three, it's the sexual revolution and gender ideology. That's still Bring that's it also fueled. Come on, because I can, also can go fueled. on this one. You know what I'm saying? Because one, you redefine a, what a, you redefine what a man is. We don't give have we don't have a definition of manhood anymore. Who's going to become a father? Yep. Who's going to become a daddy? Mm. We or, got or, men. Or, 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 go or true manhood and masculinity is called toxic. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and when you redefine masculinity, or you call it toxic, you redefine what a man is. What does that do for the woman? Hmm. It creates something in us where we have to step up in a way that we should have never had to step up. But that started, you know, with the feminist movement overall, and especially me growing up in the 90s and hearing all of the, you know, you don't need a man, all of that. But today, today for a black girl or any girl, regardless, actually of color, it's like when when you have a different definition of what it means to be a man. Mm. Your definition mm. of what it means to be a woman is also going to change. Mm. And nobody mm. wants to really talk about that, but it, it has to. 
Preach mode. We only have male and female. Preach mode. See, that's I'm why just, I said you need to be on this conversation. I'm just saying. <laughs> we need we need to talk about what does it mean, especially as y'all were talking about earlier, like the the feminizing of like the what is the MCU stand for? Not the multicultural universe. The, <laughs> the Marvel the, Cinematic the, Universe. The Mar yeah, the Marvel, like and all that. And I, I had brought it up because I just watched um Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. And when you there there's a there's not an absence of men in the movie like they're there but they're not there there's an absence of significant men yes there's an absence to me of significant men and the ones that are quote unquote significant are just blaming white people for everything yep you know, know. So it's like colonizers. The colonizers. Col yeah, the colonizers. You know, so but but then and then in the movie, because the the chief male has died, and I, I feel like this is representative of the black community. Mm. The man mm. has has now died, he has departed. What mm. does that that leaves the woman to come up? But then what did you see in the movie? The the main girl, what's her name? Sriracha, Sriracha Series. <laughs> what's her name? <laughs> Shuri. Shuri. Sure. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> see, see, she, she went so Look, you, like you wow. think about the wings you had yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's about that time. I'm not gonna lie. Um, she like just indecisive or trying to find her way and get like there's this I don't want to call it a promotion of um like African spiritualism or you know mm -hmm. investigating with the yeah. ancestors and all this, yeah. but it's like this this is it wasn't your role, boo. And, and notice how she was emotionally indecisive. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that emotional indecisive. And and and, and, and again, the women leadership has its place. You know, yeah. female leadership has its place in the sex of our society. However, when you talk about you go back to ancient Israel, where God spoke to Israel, He said, "Listen." He told Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, He said, "Listen, your women and your children rule over you, because the men of the nation forsook the law of God and priests got out of position." And so when that happened, he said, he said, actually, he said, your he said, children are your oppressors and your women rule over you. And that's when the society was out of balance because they left the law of God, yeah. the order of God. And so, again, when you leave God's, you leave truth, there goes yeah. the rest of society, there goes the rest of the home, there goes the rest of the community, right? The nation. Mm. Yeah. And it's, and it's ironic that our, our, our culture, it it attacks what they call the patriarchy and it mm. praises the matriarchy. Mm -hmm. They praise mm -hmm. the women leadership, right? Yep. Um, yep. And so it, it is a complete reversal of God's design. And that's yep. what the world is promoting. And as a community, unfortunately, we felt the brunt of that. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah. Kevin, you said something earlier that I want to circle back to because it, it really got me thinking. I, I might have been a little bit in my emotions. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said nothing. But you were like, you know, as a community, we tend to be very matriarchal. We tend to praise our moms and big mamas and Medeas and things like that. And that that perhaps has created a space where all of this celebration is focused on the woman, but then there's no celebration or thought like the man becomes an afterthought. And it's almost like the question of, well, do we even need him? And I think that that question is, I think your point is very valid. We are asking that question of where, like, do I need you? I think that's one of the questions that welfare introduced and things like that. 
but do you think that it's the celebration of women like really like was it because we celebrated our moms and our grandmas like that or that men kind of opted out or maybe is it a little bit of both because i kind of like, I, I think it's a, no i think it's a little bit of both but i'm saying that in the celebration of she can do it all by herself we made men irrelevant mm. yep you yep. know because yeah. we praised her so much for doing yeah. it all by herself. What are men really for then? But let, I, let, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence of like, would there ha if, if men hadn't opted out, would we have even had the need for the celebration? You know what I mean? Like it had to start somewhere. And I'm like, did it start with the woman? Did it start with the man? Was it like a, a joint conversation? I feel like Tupac addresses this in one of his songs. But go ahead, Brian. So I, I think I think it starts with the departure of the man, right? So when men get out of position in a society, again, so goes the rest of the family, so goes the rest of society. And then women will do, will respond to what men are doing. And so then it became, so it's like this, let me make this correlation. Maybe this might be seen far left to some people. So critical race theory, and you're like, where did this come from? Okay, but just listen, hear me out. Critical race theory is a overreaction to a real problem. Mm. Right. Yes. Feminism is an overreaction and out of pocket overreaction to an actual problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So men were getting out of position. Men stopped supporting the home like they should. Men were being slovingly. Right. And took opportunities to, to bounce and to bail. So what, what and also men, you know, men were being, you know, were being domineering in a lot of ways and taking advantage of women, abusive of women. And so the response was. Satan says, okay, the enemy of the, uh, the enemy of the, of the soul says, okay, let me, let me give you this response, but I'm going to make it an unnatural, you know, inordinate response to a real problem. And it's going to take you on the deep end. Right. And so that's the same thing that critical race theory does for us. It tells you, you know, everybody, all white people racist, right? <laughs> it tells you, I mean, it gives you the most extreme responses. Mm -hmm to a problem and, and it seems plausible in your mind because of an actual problem that it's responding to. And so, so when we said, you know, in our culture, it was celebrate moms at all costs. Like, like you, 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 you see a guy celebrating at a football field. He's like, look, mom, you know, he's like, I want to give a shout out to my moms. Nobody ever shouts out their dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At a sporting event. Yeah. They always shout out their moms. They always talk about how they got their moms a house. Yeah. Nobody ever talks about what they did for their father because oftentimes their father either wasn't there or they've been conditioned to believe he was insignificant because of yeah. the role that he that, that was the, the diminished role that he played. That's a good right? point. I mean, even now, all the way down to we get mom's Father's Day cards. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kevin, you look highly offended by that position. <laughs> oh, I'm, no, it, it's just it's the reality. I mean, it is. we joke about it, you know, the difference between what we do for Mother's Day and what we do for Father's Day. You know, Mother's Day is a big deal. Father's Day is maybe a card, and that card right. might go to mom. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> and so, no, it just it's just the reality of, of where we are at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So this is my question, Brian, because man, we you've you've done a good job of laying it out. Uh, how we got here, what the problem is today, what continues to push it, right? Pop culture, wokeness, all these things. How do what do we go from here? How, what's the solution? How do we how do we overcome where we are? 
So number one, for, for me, it was, so look at this, going back to the subtitle of my book. So America's Black Father Ashes Crisis and How the Christian Church Helped Me Overcome It. I think this starts with the church. I think the church, we have to get back to a steady uh, stream, a steady diet of sound doctrine around what around the, 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 the theology of the family, God's view of the family, the biblical worldview of the family. And we, ha- we have to robustly present this, particularly in our day. We need to turn the volume up on that, particularly in our day, because the family is being undermined. The family is being attacked directly, right? What is a man? What is a woman? Nuclear family, right? You go back to the BLM manifesto. We want to what? Dismantle the heteronormative nuclear family, right? And so the church has to do that. Now, I, I think what also has to happen along with that is... You know, we, we have to take it outside of the four walls of the church into our communities and our homes. And we, we're going to have to disciple and train people. We're going to have to disciple this generation. You know, we're going to have to bring God's, God's, God's anecdote, antidote, antidote, right? I didn't say, I didn't mean to say anecdote, but God's <laughs> antidote to the masses. That family is the answer. Family is the key, right? Under God's leadership, under the, the guise of the, of the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to say, listen. Um, the antidote to a hundred, hundreds of kids running around in Chicago is fathers, my, my guy, mm-hmm. is fathers, right? Um, the antidote to, you know, kids in, in the school to prison pipeline, so to speak, are more fathers at home supporting their children. Thomas Sowell said this, man. Uh, he said, listen, I don't care how much money you pour into education. If there's not folks at home making children go to bed on time, feeding them, making sure they have what they need, getting them up on time, making them do their homework, I don't care how much money you pour into education, you're not gonna, you're not gonna close any kind of educational academic gap. Absolutely. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna Absolutely. happen. So it, it, again, it goes back to the family. I'll even go back to Lyndon B. Johnson's statement. Listen, unless we endeavor to do, you know, to robustly feed and fuel the family, the, the, the thriving of the family, you know, society is going to decay. Right. And so uh, I like my, I like the big homie Delano Squires. He and I had a chance to have lunch together uh, a few uh, months ago. And, um, you know, he, he and I talked about how, uh, you know, he, he was saying, you know, and I quoted him in the book, you know, how he, he said, listen, we're talking about any and everything in barbershop. We're talking about game. You know, we're talking about who the goat is, you know, which is a relevant conversation, by the way. Um, Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the goat. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. But we're not, we, we need to have just as robust, you know, an energy around in our, in our community. When we see a father, the, the, the family is hurting and father absence rates are hurting and it's at a crisis level, we need to have robust conversations about the importance of marriage. Right. So I think, again, we start with the church. We, we, you know, we go from the church to taking God's idea and God's kingdom to the to the masses. Right. And we have these robust you know, communi- uh, 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 kinds of conversations amongst people. We have to have people who role model. You know, I had role models that I saw who were modeling marriage, man, and, and making marriage something beautiful. You know, so making family something beautiful, fathers in the saddle, something beautiful with, the, you know, present active assistant, fathers in the home, something beautiful. Right. Let's get back to that. You know, we have to not be ashamed to say, listen, God's way of doing things is listen. Um, so here, here's the uh, uh, what many of the think tanks. I got this from Larry Elder as well. And I started delving into it and saying, wow, wow, that's that's a thing. You know, so think tanks on both the, the political left and the political right all say the same thing. They say, listen, if you do not if you graduate from high school, at least graduate from high school, um, you do not have children before you get married. 
Uh-huh. Right? At least graduate from high school. Don't have ch- children before you get married. Get a job, man. Right? Don't quit that job before you get another one. Most people who do that have no problems in America, you know, virtually speaking. You know, that in the most folks, folks are not in poverty, right? You put you set yourself up to have a, a family sort of, you know, a, a family framework. You know what I'm saying? You haven't had kids out of wedlock so you set yourself up to do some good things. And so that's, you know, they call it the millennial success sequence. We got to talk about stuff like that. Yeah. How, you, you you know, God's ethic for, you know, a sexual ethic. We've got to, we've got to turn the volume up on God's sexual ethic, man, and, and combat these ideas that are coming through pop culture. You know, we've got to say, get away from the ratchetness look, look, and point to the real impact of what that does to our community. Like, look, you can talk about this stuff all day. Talk about how, you know, giving away, you know, uh, you know, these, these sexual escapades and, you know, if you, you vote and we can get it on. Well, listen, yeah, you can talk about that, but you're fueling the father absence, you know, pathology by doing that. But but if you get if you if you change your mindset, you know, think about this. We talked about in two decades how uh, father absence went from 25% to 75% just in two decades. I wonder what would happen in just two decades if we had key people who were modeling and yes. key voices in our, in our, in our generation, key voices and individuals who were turning this thing around and, and let's down with righteousness up with, up with righteousness. You know, down with righteousness, up with righteousness. And we had key individuals who were doing it. And that's the, and we were, I mean, we militaristically, you know, we're marching to the beat of that drum. I wonder what would happen in two decades if key individuals, if we could, if, if we as a people and like, like, okay, so we, we can do that at a community level, but I wonder if at a cultural level, we stopped promoting the artists who are promoting righteousness, righteousness, and we had artists who were promoting uh, a public responsibility, you know, relationship responsibility, sexual responsibility. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if we yeah. had that, what would happen? What, what would happen if your favorite artist said it was cool to do your homework and pull your pants up? I wonder what would happen. You know what I'm saying? In two decades, what could what would happen? Like we could cut that 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 rate in half. We could cut poverty in half. You know, we would see what we were seeing in the 1920s and 30s when black poverty was on the decline. We can go right back to that. We could. I really believe that. And so we're the ones who are saying, "Yo, we have a, a high view of our people. We have we we believe in black efficacy." And then they're looking at us saying. You racist and you and you and you sympathizing with white white supremacy because you talk about hard work and you talking about <laughs> you talk about <laughs> you talk about whiteness and, and, and you know you you you're invoking you know logical thought and and personal responsibility and and all these things right hard work you know anyway so I, I, I to, to answer your question Mo I think it starts with the church and 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 us mobilizing God's message about the kingdom of God and His way of doing things mobilizing that into the culture. And modeling it, exemplifying it, you know, having robust conversations around it, you know, get, you know, m- mentoring people, going to the schools, mentoring. Uh, I love what Governor Ron DeSantis is doing down in Florida. He had the Responsible Fatherhood Act. He was putting money where his mouth is. He was saying, listen, let's put let's put some funding. Now, again, that's not to say let's depend upon government. But what I'm saying is if government is going to get involved anyway, then they should get involved at a, at a level that says instead of instead of pouring money into crime remediation instead of poor money i'm not this is not a defund the police message but it, but you're going to have to put money into into jails prisons so forth and so on because of father absence because that's going to fuel your, your your prisons well why don't you put some money in under like the other this ounce of cure is better than a pound you know pound of cure is better than an ounce of remedy 
Oh, how did I get that messed up? Anyway, um, <laughs> so why don't you put some some funds and effort and energy into helping young fathers become responsible fathers? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Why don't you Why don't you put some funds in that? Because guess what? You're gonna pay less money for that than it is going to pay for than you're gonna pay for what's gonna impact the community when people are you know drive by shooting and all of that jazz. Unless it's an ulterior motive, and the drive by shooting and the keeping the kids in jail is actually working to benefit some. <sighs> That's a whole that other conversation. It yeah, is a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> for everybody who's watched, you know, and been with us for a while, our conversation with um, Pastor Alton was along this same vein and the work that he's doing down in Birmingham with black men and black families and encouraging, you know, the couples in his church to actually get married. And what does it mean to be married and why is mm. God instituted the marriage, you know, and the, the unit of marriage and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to, if you haven't seen that episode with Alton, what's Al- Alton Hardy, yeah. um, from last year, go back and watch it because he's talking about these exact same things in regards to, you know, what happens when you actually bring a couple together and what is the fruit of, of marriage. Mm. Mm. Yes. I saw that episode. I saw that episode. And by the way, I actually wanted to send him a copy of my book as well. Cause that's when I saw the episode, I was real inspired by what he was, what he was talking about. And I, you know, I wanted to send that resource to him. Yeah. Do that. Yes. Yes. Kevin, you got something else? Cause I, I mean, <sighs> I, I would say that this was a great way to come back. That's all I'll say. Um, right. I think this is the biggest topic and the biggest thing affecting the black community. When we started this podcast, mm. you know, it was to talk about issues within the black community from a biblical worldview. This mm-hmm. is the number one issue Amen. that is affecting Amen. the community. Everything else springs from this. Without um, a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, we could take it one back further and say, you know, the church is the number one issue and everything funds funnels out of the, the breakdown of the church. But then you have to break down the family and all these things. But when we talk about all these issues we keep pointing at and the media is pointing at and all these activists are pointing at. The issue isn't that they see these issues that are present. It is their. It is their solutions to them. Right. Yeah critical race theory and making white people go with their privilege won't change a single thing in the hood. Mm-mm. It just won't. Listen, reparations ain't going to change a single thing. It won't thing. change a thing. Right. It'll be a lot of rims on the cars and sweet paint jobs, right. but, but, but give every person $50,000. And if you still ain't got no fathers in the home, it's still going to be a ratchet situation. Exactly. I'll take that 50. I need that. I ain't going to say I'm going to send the check back. What I'm right. saying is, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, good now. I'm just saying. Yeah. So like when we start to think about these issues, I mean, th- the solutions that the general public and the general media puts out there just aren't any real solutions. First of all, they misdiagnose what the problem is, and by misdiagnosing the problem, they come up with bad solutions. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. They sound good. They make us feel good because number one, it makes somebody else responsible for us, for our issues. But if somebody else is responsible for your issues, then they also control (laughs) what you overcome those issues. Absolutely. Um, But when you look at the issues and you realize there's something I can do about it, there's something that we can do about it, that's empowering. And that's what people need to hear. They need to understand. Stop being ratchet, take responsibility, get married, Stop, stop, you know, the, the sleeping around and the creating baby mamas. And if 
gonna say this to, to my ladies because you know we're talking about fathers, ladies. If he is not, if you know he trash, don't sleep with him. Right. That's all I'm gonna say. Right. Because if you don't, if you don't want your son to be like him, or you wouldn't want him to raise your kid, don't sleep with him. You know, because yep. um, we just we gotta change. We gotta do. We gotta be blunt. We gotta be upfront, and we gotta say, you know, it's it's time to us for us to look in the mirror and do something different. If you yeah. out there, you 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 know Pookie ain't no good. He ain't got no job. Why you why you choosing him? Yeah. Why are you choosing yeah. him? You know, yeah. choose somebody. Choose a man who is willing to marry you and build something with you. Yeah. And when you right. do that, when we start do that, things will change. Until then, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what kind of anti-racism policies they put in all this nonsense nothing's gonna change if right. you still come up with all these single parent homes 72 percent born out of wedlock all of these numbers it's just nothing's gonna change so yeah yeah that's all yeah. i'll say when it comes to you know fatherless homes i say if you wouldn't want to spend the rest of your life with that person don't sleep with them if mm-hmm. if, if if you ain't thinking like this is my husband Right. Don't. And if if he's not willing to put a ring on your finger, not just right. talk about, you know, baby, yeah, we're going to get married. Yeah, yeah. Right. How long y'all been having that conversation? Right, right, right. If that if that if marriage is not his hustle, you know what I'm saying? If he ain't grinding to 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 put that ring on the finger and said, "Okay, here's the plan." But there's no plan. Like, look. Look. Yeah. Let, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. You know, yeah. cuz otherwise what we're doing is again fueling what we're seeing right now in our culture, and, and again, the thing that grips my heart is when I when we talk about um, that one of the number one things you know that that impacts the black community is, is when we look at the crime rates, right? We look at the crime rates, and we hate to just all oh, black on black crime, but I'm just talking about that. What we're saying is, listen, in our community, 52 percent of the nation's homicides are committed by 13 percent of its people. Mm-hmm. And look at the connection we have here. 72% of those people are growing up on the desk. 80% of the people in prison had no dads, right? And it, look, 30, 36% of all of the abortion rates are, 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 are done on 7% of the population, black women, mm-hmm. right? And again, go back to the, the foundational statistic, 70 to 75% of those people growing up without dads. That would not be the case if we had fathers in the saddle. Yep. Man, this has been such a good conversation. I am so thankful that, um, one, that Offcode is back, but two, Brian, that you were able to join us. I want to let everybody know that in our fall book groups, we're actually going to be going through your book, Missing Pillars. Mm. Um, and because This is just a book that everyone should read. Anyone who is, you know, on the fence of, well, you know, they just say black fathers, but black fathers are really there. Or, you know, I don't really know what to think about black black dads in the home and things like that. Having the the tool, which is your book, to be able to give people the information on black dads and the missing pillars and why we're seeing the issues that we're seeing in the in the black community. This this is the book for you this is the place to start and so in the fall when we announce our fall book groups brian's book will be there 
please join and jump into this conversation so that you can also be a part of the solution um, by reading the book. Absolutely. And in the meantime, our spring book club's registration just opened. So we got three great books for the, for the spring semester. Go look and, and sign up. So thank you. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you might want to lead your own book group, Brian. I don't know. It's your book. <laughs> if the Lord stir your heart, I'm just saying. <laughs> That'd be dope. dope. Well, listen, guys, let, let me say uh, again, thank you so much. I appreciate you all. And I'm honored that you all brought me on your platform to talk about this very important topic that you saw that, um, you know, that the topic was important enough and salient enough for conversation that it should be had is one that should be had. Um, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm joining my, a couple cousins that I just ain't seen in a minute. You, you, yes. you know what I'm saying? You know, yes. I just feel like, you know, we just, jump right, we just jump right in, right in the saddle and just be like, look, we like, we picked up from where we left off. I felt like I was with y'all the whole <laughs> exactly. time. You know? <laughs> exactly. Definitely, Brian, definitely Sorry, sorry, Kevin. I didn't mean to speak over. No, go ahead. Um, Brian, how can people stay in contact with you? How can they order missing pillars? Like put it all put it all out there so we know. Yeah, absolutely. So so you you had it flashed on the screen, but if you go to uh bookbaby.com um and search for missing pillars, if you bookbaby.com is the is the publishing uh platform. Um and uh you do a search for missing pillars. If you Googled, you know, missing pillar. A missing pillars author brian k shannon the book is going to come up but it's bookbaby.com uh is where the platform is where you can purchase it no it's not on amazon or whatever let me just tell you a little tidbit as i'm an independent author at this moment and independent authors don't make a make a dime from like folks like amazon and so forth so i'm with a, a company that specializes with independent authors and so i get a, you know i get more a return on, on my book if you purchase from them so uh, again missing pillars uh, bookbaby.com. And so you can, you can contact me on your, know, or you can, you know, connect with me on, on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and type in pastor Brian Shannon sermon, you can, you can, you can see, you know, what I'm, what I got, what I got going on, all the podcasts that I've been a, a part of and, 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 and discussing my, my book and sermons out there. I'm preaching. Um, uh, you go to Facebook, you know, you can, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Brian Shannon. Um, you know, you can contact me, missingpillars at gmail.com. Um, if you're trying to get at me, if you want to know more about speaking engagements and talks and conferences and things like that, because uh, I do uh, travel here and there um, to do presentations and talks and, and ministry and, and, and engagements and, and whatnot. So uh, I love to be a part of, of doing the work. Uh, so to speak, the real work <laughs> of <laughs> of ministry. The work is the work of ministry. Yes, uh, of of spreading God's Absolutely. word and, and and presenting God's perspective and God's kingdom as it relates to the things of life. So praise God for that. Amen. 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 All right. Well, well Brian, man, I appreciate it, man. This has been good. Yeah. Uh, Maybe next time we have you on, we can have a whole, you know, discussion about the GOAT and, and all those things. Because the thing is, we agree, so it won't be like a debate show or anything like that. But we'll just be putting the truth, kind of like this, we'll just be putting the truth out there. Putting the truth out there, baby. You know. I'm going to go ahead and get some other guys together, and I'm going to sit out that show. Because if we're not talking about, like, dance or shopping, I can't really, yeah. can't relate. Can't relate. I'm, I'm not there. But um, yeah, we would definitely love to have you back. I, I do think you know. You guys comment or um, send us a message. Let us know if y'all think a, a all male show would be something y'all be privy to or you know appreciate. All right, we're out of here. Bye, you guys. Bye.